This is NatchCast, episode 11. We have Robbie Vitrano with us today. Mm, boy. The IQ quotient is going north, despite Josh Tyson. Ah, that's mean. I, Josh is an extremely well-read and informed and passionate young man who is not young anymore. But that's not why you're here. We're going to get into it, talking about food, New Orleans. This sucker's global. You can't keep up with Robbie. I can't. His plate is full, and his plate is rich, nutritious, uh, natural. His plate is, uh, the food on his plate is, this is episode 011. Begin. I said I had lunch. You were having lunch with you somebody. Had lunch. I you had, had food. <laughs> it was fascinating. You ate food. I had lunch with a with a gentleman you probably know. I'm guessing yeah. you know. He's in the pet food space. His name's Mikey. Have you Mikey. met Mike Crouch? I believe I did through Jim. Yeah, right? there you go. Yeah. I had, yeah. Lunch, I had lunch with Mike. Michael. Yeah. Mikey. Yesterday. Mikey. Right. Wonderful guy. And he's been listening to the podcast. He, like, knew all of them. And so, oh, well, well I, I think he knew all of them, but I told him... He kept talking about, like, episodes six and seven, and I said, at some point, there's a huge breakthrough in audio quality. There if you, is. If you can make it to that podcast, you might actually stick with it. <laughs> and so now... So, yeah. so he's got something to look forward to. Yeah, something to look forward to. So along with that breakthrough in audio quality came this strange feedback that we get occasionally, but... No, no, nobody eh, cares about you that, know, especially Robbie. These things are imperfect. <laughs> So it's a I very human podcast. These things are imperfect. I love that. I'm going to introduce yes. him. How about I, oh, God. I don't oh have boy. any notes, so I'm going to just wing it. Okay. Wing it. Do it, Mark. <laughs> this should be good. Do what you do best. I think I'd, I've introduced you before, didn't I? To bring I you to the you stage have. at Expo West. I think you I did have. that. Did I do you a good have. job? Was there a smoke I, I, machine? Were there fireworks? Because we don't have any of those things. <laughs> there should have been. Was, there were some dazzling glitters, I recall. <laughs> but, 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 but uh, yeah, I, I think it was one of those sort of punts, right? Well, so, you know, Robbie's done all these great things, but no. I'm going to let him tell you about it. Oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> well, this is what well, I know. One of those. Trumpet. The first thing I think of is trumpet. Right. Which is, it's essentially, we're talking about an agency, right? In New right. Orleans. Yeah, that's correct. Decades and decades in, of existence at this point? Uh, well, it's it's more than one decade, so I guess that's <laughs> decades. But uh, 90, 97 was when we started that mm. modest little effort. On the verge of decades. Yes. So yes. there's going to be a through theme with Robbie Vitrano, which is New Orleans. New yep. Orleans is there. This yeah. man bleeds New Orleans. He's in the fabric of New Orleans. He is there at the center of what New Orleans will become. Maybe that's all you need to do for an intro. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, you like that. That says it best. <laughs> that says it best. Trumpet, uh, Idea Village. Correct. Acceler- incubator Accelerator, spawning new businesses across the region and city. That's right. correct. Oh, yeah, God. very, very New Orleans-centric yet again. So you, you'll find, yeah, all roads lead back to New Orleans. I'm, yeah, sort of have, have trouble going beyond that. Well, why would you want, well. Born and raised? I like Born, born and raised, or, or as somebody said, if you ask me where I grew up, I'd tell you not yet. But uh, grew up in New Orleans, yeah. Where'd you grow up, Josh? I grew up in Littleton, Colorado. Yeah, it's yeah. not as evocative as New Orleans, but that's no, okay. It's no, one of the most good. homogenized kind of bleak suburbs out there. Oh, but really. but it is becoming famous for the wrong things. Oh, right? boy. It sure is. I think. Did All you go to that high school? All sorts of weird tragedies. I went to Columbine High School. Oh, there, wow. I graduated in 1994. So when I went there, uh, it was actually that high school was originally built, from what I understand, using scraps from other high schools in the area. So it was kind of a dumpy high school, like sustainable lockers. Well, I mean, just ahead of its time. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was all reclaimed in a backwards way. <laughs> reclaimed materials, but nothing really matched. All the lockers looked different and stuff. And and then I think the year or two after I graduated, they moved everyone out into tent buildings and kind of made that cathedral-looking. Oh. Well, well, not cathedral, but I don't know. As, it's weird. Okay, that's enough of well, you. Well, Josh, as proof that all roads lead to New Orleans, you just basically described the city of New Orleans. Right? 
That's true. We sort of build stuff out of reclaimed things, really old stuff. It looks a little crappy. We call it patina. And then we lived in tents for a while. There you go. (laughs) And uh, I'm coming out on the other side of a tragedy. uh, Yeah, exactly. Much stronger, hopefully. It is, yeah. We we could torture that metaphor (laughs) analogy, I suppose, yeah. But moving on. We go from uh, idea. What am I going to go? Well, we to? don't. We didn't talk about where you grew up, Mark. We need oh, to, if nah, you want to bring balance to this, I want to keep this moving. You just don't want to talk about yourself. <laughs> That's unusual. Well, you're probably curious. I grew up. Well, I was born. It's not about me. I was born in Richmond, but did not grow up there. I immediately went to Alexandria, Virginia, which is essentially a part of the D.C. sprawl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good time. Fascinating. What about those? Uh, <laughs> Peanut, peanut butter nuts. and bacon sandwiches. Yep. We ate some peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. Uh, it was, a, I would say, it was a mi- upper middle class childhood. Yeah, there, there was a country club. There was golf. There was, was. peanut butter nice. and bacon sandwiches. There was prep school later. There right? was private right. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark is very yeah. refined. I am. There was prep school. Wait, wait, I mean, boarding school. Like no, no, sent no, away. no, no. Oh. no okay. I okay. could actually walk to school. I would wake up and walk through the neighborhood to get to the. Yeah, it was kind of nice. Until I got a car and then drove a mile to get to school. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. American. It was terrible. Right, right. Feel no need to apologize. Uh, uh, well, I, I do. But so, from Idea Village, I'm then going to leap to na- Naked Pizza. No, Freedom Pizza. Nay, oh. Naked Pizza. That that is that is correct as well. So yeah, I mean the, that is something. Uh, <laughs> that, that is that is something. I'm sorry. Did I cut out? Are oh. we here, Mac? So it's it's interesting. I mean yeah, now I've. I've uh, tried to organize it under a portfolio of late. So I've got a few things that I'm involved in with a finger here and maybe a little deeper involvement there. This is Innisfree. Um, yeah, so um, the day got a little random uh, given the various interests, and I've tried to put it into one place where I can you know, manage the day, being, you know, be somewhat effective. I guess that's a, that's a long shot uh, with the various things that I'm touching. But... Um, you know, now there's a, a couple of different companies that I'm involved with that, you know, really touch on the journey and maybe, you know, some of the things that interest me and perhaps even a few things that I've gotten better at along the way. So New Orleans is known for its brass. Why yes. did you choose trumpet? Yeah. So when we started the agency, we were looking for something that connected us to the, I never the artistic of soul of, of the of the city, right? So, you know, New Orleans' reputation as the, um, you know, as the, as the birthplace of jazz, uh, which is referred to as America's only indigenous art form. Um, so that kind of speaks to that, you know, that creative uh, soul in the city. Um, there's a great quote, uh, Wynton Marcellus, uh, who's, you know, been, you know, perhaps more than any other, he's done such a, a wonderful job of, of you know, distilling the city. Uh, but he, he talks about New Orleans being a place where uh, a certain wildness and, and then an elegance, you know, sort of imported from our, our French founders, you know, came together to promote the flowering of creative intelligence. And, and that's kind of the tension that lives in this city. You know, it's, it's a little ragged, it's a little broken, but that edge seems to be part of what allows for these interesting, unique things to bubble up. And, and then there's always been, you know, sort of this paying attention to, uh, you know, custom and culture and fineries, you know, that's evident in our architecture and our, in our food and our cuisine uh, and in kind of the musical expressions of things the world kind of knows us for. And um, so it was interesting. I mean, there's a legacy of that creativity and the interesting thing for us as a, you know, as a creative company was, you know, what's the contemporary expression of that? What's that? How's that manifest today? So I'm just going to pause and say, as we can all tell at this point, Robbie reeks of eloquence, right? Reeks? Fa- reeks of eloquence? I, I, smell, <laughs> I smell bad. <laughs> no, I would say he effuses eloquence. Right, but facile mind, big heart, but what you can't tell from this podcast yeah, impeccable posture. Oh, okay. You have I, nice posture. It's one of the first things I noticed. I'm, I'm working on it. Man. Oh, I'm well, at the, you're very close. I'm at, the, I'm at the I'm at the bar every day. I have pretty good posture too. Yeah, but not like Robbie. No, no. Robbie carries himself like a. Uh, there's almost something. Um, my, my southern upbringing. Yeah, it's it's sort of a uh, just a gentlemanly erectness. 
Oh my god, <laughs> that's not the right word. Your choice of words here. <laughs> I like it though. I like. I like it. I, I, I can probably abide by that. She's got a reeking erection. <laughs> no. Is that what you're trying to say? No, I hope it's very no. elegant. That's not, not uh, Josh. But this is uh, mm-hmm. all right. All right. Well, well I love that idea well, of, of New Orleans well, yeah, being a place where refinement, a certain type of refinement, was applied to more maybe not carnal things, but but things that weren't normally given the yeah. refinement. So, maybe, so that you maybe, have, like you said, this creative intelligence. That's yeah. I mean, I think maybe a, a, a less you know eloquent way to say it is that I think people in New Orleans absolutely hate the idea of being bored, and so there's always a churn in this city. And in some ways, I mean, it probably is some flip of the coin to the fear of success thing. You know, it's 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 funny. It's been a city that's always um, you know sort of been second guessed. I mean, you know, in its founding in a swamp and certainly in, in my lifetime and it's kind of its contemporary uh, world that, that it's a place that, you know, it's had its troubles, but it, 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 it kind of holds together. And I'm not sure if we didn't have that, that struggle and that messiness, you know, a little bit of that wildness, a little bit of that danger, maybe, um, you know, I don't think it would be New Orleans. Right. So, in some ways, I mean, how do you preserve that? That's a big question. But, but you know, Trumpet was, I, I'd worked for 10 years on the West Coast. I'd worked at big agencies. You know, I'd learned all the, the tricks of abusing, you know, the expense account on the on the shoots. And uh, you come back to a place where you're working on smaller clients, you're working on smaller, you know, pieces of business. But you learned a few things. I mean, certainly from really talented people and technique and, and inspiration. And, you know, the thing that was interesting for me from an advertising perspective, from a pure advertising perspective as a writer, you know, would that sort of work, you know, in a place like New Orleans? Um, design was always out front here. There was always a lot of terrific visual artists and that had found their way into design, um, but not in, you know, again, in that contemporary world of, of, of advertising. So the, the, the first challenge, you know, when I came back in, in a very, very naive way, I came back in 94 after being away for 10 years, it was whether, um, you know, that, that creative, uh, you know, spark could be applied. And, yeah, and the, and the trumpet, uh, you know, seemed to be the, you know, the ultimate sort of representation of the jazz. Maybe, maybe the cornet might be more appropriate. That's not, it doesn't have quite the same, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of evocation, but the... Uh, the trumpet is certainly something to identify with New Orleans, thanks to people like Louis Armstrong. And so we thought that would be a good way. And of course, there was the, the play on words, right? To trumpet an idea. Um, yeah, you so can't cornet an idea from the mountain. You mountaintop. cannot. Well, that hasn't been coined yet, anyway. So no. um, we, we could have tried, but that would have been fighting. So, yeah, I mean, we, we came out with that idea in, um, in 97. We put digital um, into the agency. Uh, you, you saw that coming. Although, you know, no one could really, no one really fully understood what that meant. That was a lot of very inelegant banner advertisements and, you know, other sort of ham-fisted things that people were experimenting online. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we formed the agency as uh, something that we, you know, thought uh, leaned on that New Orleans past and also maybe could bring a little bit of what was going on now to the city and see if we could, you know, make a go of it. So... When does food come in? I mean, I, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. especially the shift from, I mean, I, I'm guessing sort of the culinary scene and culture of New Orleans is always there. But at some point, there's a, there's a shift in your mind, and maybe it's tied to a greater consciousness, right? But to the way yeah. we're making the food and, and, and the health and, and natural aspects of it. Yeah, well, the, the bridge, I guess, to food was that the, the realization for me when I came back not to belabor this, but was that, you know, I thought the original idea was to see if we could, you know, create a, a world-class agency for whatever that means, lack of a better term. I mean, you guys know Alex Bogusky, similar things he was dealing with in Miami. It's like, you know, how do you sort of get out of the small market and play big? And the, but the, the, the real challenge in New Orleans was that it was a dying city. You know, I mean, since 1960, it had lost about 25% of its population. The New Orleans that I returned home to in 94, uh, I was at another agency prior to starting Trumpet, but the um, was the murder capital, and you know had the 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 distinguished honor uh, of having the highest per capita murder rate uh, ever in American history. That, that record still holds. 
So, and then, you know, take the corruption and the other areas of social dysfunction. So, um, you know, is sort of a flop on all those wonderful things we talked about, the city. It was clearly a city that, um, by any measure, was dying. Um, so the, the, the new challenge became, you know, how do we sort of provide that service, that creativity, you know, in service of, of the city in, you know, plug it into the civic fabric. And so that was when I, uh, you know, started to crawl upstream a little bit instead of applying advertising campaigns to areas of need in the community, uh, started saying, okay, you know, what does organizational and business design look like? If, if we can, you know, work from some of the strengths that we have, customer development, communication, you know, strategic alignment and focus, can that be applied in a couple of different areas? So some of the things that we started to get involved with, like for instance, the uh, the New Orleans Police Foundation um, was being formed. It was a civic effort, but it was trying to uh, get the community involved in supporting the the police department. But really, you know, supporting the entire justice system. So that that sort of covered it soup to nuts um, on areas of, of crime. And then um, the education reform. We you know we also had the distinction of having you know the the, the worst big city public school system. Um, so we started getting involved in those types of efforts, which were, again, were kind of organizational design, uh, you know, getting the, the citizens involved. But around that time, we also did, we incubated Idea Village inside of Trumpet. Mm. So um, myself and a few other people that were involved in digital, uh, uh, a guy, Tim Williamson, who's been running Idea Village since that time, who was, uh, he was uh, working for Cox. Uh, he's a New Orleans native as well, came home to open up Cox's city site. Uh, another friend who was uh, running the, uh, the digital version of the Times-Picayune, uh, which is uh, part of Advance and you know, Condé Nast, that big network. Um, and a few other entrepreneurs in that area were saying, you know, what can we do to stimulate more entrepreneurial activity in New Orleans with the thought being that you know, we needed more problem solvers. So you know, if we could get more smart people that understood this new kind of you know, economic platform to align their financial incentives with uh, civic engagement, you know, maybe we could have a better impact on the city. But in general, we needed to stop the brain drain. We need smart people to you know, either stay or return or you know, consider the city. Um, and, and so that, that became, you know, sort of a messy undertaking. But what I found out was that the ad agency was actually a pretty good place to, to take that on. And it was through that process, kind of fast forwarding, uh, what was in my mind at that time was that I wanted to create a co-working space. I wanted to create a, a, a studio basically where we could do startups, you know, accelerator light for lack of a better term. Uh, I, I started to do the planning on that in addition to incubating Idea Village, which is a nonprofit. Uh, but pulled the trigger on that post Katrina when, you know, it was like, okay, you know, if not now, when you know, you've been talking about this shit forever, you know, when are you going to actually, you know, call your own bullshit and do it? So we moved out of our space. We were renting from Emerald Lagasse uh, upstairs of his headquarters. Oh, food. And, Bam. Yeah, there, there was, there's a little bit of food, right? <laughs> and, and then we, uh, we bought a 12,000 square foot building in a flooded part of town and, um, and we created the first co-working space. We raised the first fund. And uh, that was when I started saying, okay, what problems or what opportunities might we get into? So food, New Orleans culinary uh, heritage was certainly sort of rich with opportunity. I wasn't really, uh, you know, understanding of or, or maybe in the restaurant business, but, but understood, you know, some of the opportunities around food. And so along with a couple of other guys we started around this idea of, you know, what if we took on some of the health issues that were starting to crop up? So, um, so out of this, 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 basically this idea of creating an accelerator program, a co-working space, a fund, and the opportunity to elevate more startups, one of the ones that I had a thought on, uh, along with a couple other people, was to say, uh, you know, what if uh, we started to address this obesity, chronic disease issue that's associated with diet? And, you know, sort of drilling that down into maybe an oversimplified statement. But, you know, that in, in general, the world is kind of drowning in, uh, in highly processed carbohydrates and, and, and started to look at different food products that could be changed, uh, you know, in terms of the, the recipe, in terms of the physiological impacts 
to make it a little bit better for you. So, you know, looked at burritos, looked at burgers, looked at a few different things and thought pizza would be kind of an interesting thing to play with if, if we could, you know, change the recipe just a little bit so that it still tasted like pizza, but that actually, you know, would be a product that would be a little bit better for you. You know, you, you take out most of the processed grains, you take out some of the junk, the artificial elements to it. A pizza essentially can be a fairly healthy product, depends on how it's consumed. But to, to focus on a couple of the things that you could do if we could remake that product in a way that it didn't, uh, you know, it didn't insult expectations of what a pizza would taste like, and and so we started to think about that, and then you know we looked at the industry, and in particular, it's a it's a fifty billion dollar global industry, you know, the pizza industry in general, and started to look at the the carryout and delivery model, and thought we might be able to execute against this, you know. So uh, food came directly out of this idea of. A city that was dying, a city that was changing, and, and my interest in, in having a little more impact with the footprint that we occupied as an ad agency. Um, and uh, so Naked Pizza, uh, which started you know, just as kind of a, a code name, World's Healthiest Pizza, that was kind of the, the, the laboratory name, um, uh, which was probably not a ready-for-prime-time name, uh, changed to, to Naked Pizza, came out of that conversation. And we spent about a year and a half working on that concept. We opened up a little store and um, that little store got some traction. People started to pay attention to it. We experimented with social media quite a bit uh, Mm -hmm. in those early days. Um, Sort of asked people, you know, what they thought of this, let them behind the scenes, let them, you know, co-create to a degree, understand some of the things we were doing. Made a lot of really shitty pizzas. Um, and, and, uh, but when we finally kind of landed on this idea of saying, let's call it naked pizza, let's design it as a, uh, as a uh, franchisable business model. Let's build it around the, the economic structure of a carrot and delivery model, which is very replicable, uh, which is understandable. And, uh, you know, let's grow this thing so we can have some impact. Let's see if we can figure this thing out. You knew you were competing against people that buy tomatoes by the ton. And, and so that, that became the, the catalyst for me in terms of figuring out what, what, was, what was kind of interesting around food. Um, it was one place to go with it. Uh, and as a result of that, um, and, and that journey's taken some real twists and turns, but as a result of getting into that community and speaking with more people that were focused on it and learning from people, mostly learning from people, you know, mostly relying on the generosity of people to understand new trends in, in, uh, in health around food and go-to-market strategies and what people did well and what people did lousy, um, got very interested in this platform of, of food as a place where, um, you know, you can, you obviously literally, you know, you reach into people's lives, you, you, it's a very intimate relationship you can, if you meet people where they are, you can start up a, an interesting conversation. If you uh, feed guess, people, they like that. <laughs> they like that. And it brings people together, right? I mean, now I'm getting back to the New Orleans thing, which is, you know, what we understand here, you know, perhaps as well as any place else is, you know, food is, is it's identity, it's community, it's love. This, this is, uh, I think, I think I've written about this partly inspired by Robbie and others is sort of a lot of what happens in natural food and comes out of Boulder, it doesn't have that soul to it, right? It doesn't have there, – there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of great things happening, but it doesn't seem grounded in culture the way – Well, there's not a lot of like, yeah, struggle and strife in Boulder. It seems like uh, – <laughs> It's a little bit. When you look at New Orleans, I mean, I would assume – I mean, Katrina, an yeah. unimaginable tragedy, but but did it, did it afford opportunities too? I mean, was it – yeah. Yeah, it, it, it yeah the, the the sort of the you know the proverbial silver lining of Katrina, and and the short answer is yes. You know, I mean that's that's there's a, there's a lot of nuances on that, and I won't you know belabor different, it. Different but, podcast, right? Yeah, but but it, in general, you know, New Orleans was absolutely a place where, um, you know, because there was a need for change, but there was not a recognition of the path towards change. What the disaster did was was put us on a much more compressed schedule, right? I mean, it, it sort of said, okay, you know, yeah. you cannot deny this any longer, and and I, I think there was a lot of latent creativity, a lot of latent emotional energy, um, a lot of recognitions within the city. So we, we had to sort of take inventory, right? I mean, if you were you know shipwrecked, and you know there there you were with your box and your soccer ball, you know you you take inventory. What do I have here? You know, do I have any 
do I have any matches? Do I have any, you know, do I have any bailing wire? Do I have some, you know, some, some tape? And, and you start figuring out what you need to do with that stuff. And, and I think for New Orleans, you know, after Katrina, we asked questions about what was valuable, what was sacred, and what were the priorities. Um, and so I, as a result of that energy, you know, uh, and also a huge influx of goodwill from around the world. Right. You know, we, we just had access to virtually anyone because people were just feeling like they wanted to help. Um, it created enormous opportunities. And, and those continue to today. I mean, as the city's really, um, in, in some areas, uh, you know, recovered magnificently, in other areas, not so much. But, um, you know, again, if you take sort of uh, broad stroke economic indicators in terms of property value, in terms of population rise, entrepreneurial activity, et cetera, the city's been on a roll. Um, but if you look at things like inequality and disparity, we still That's- have a huge gap. You know, so we well, still got issues. Yeah, but that's what I <clears throat> that's why I find such uh I don't know, it's refreshing to me, but it's hopeful. But yeah. There's all this goodwill in, in you know, we'll shorthand it to Boulder. It's not just Boulder, but there's all this goodwill in that aspect of food reform. Um and you know, great. That's wonderful. But I I the the obstacles around the way it feels elitist and the way it's not accessible yeah. to people and the way it costs too much and the way it's it doesn't resonate with many different socioeconomic classes and groups. And, you know, you, you, you take it into somewhere like New Orleans and, and sort of sort of figure out. That's one of the things I think you're doing, whether you know yeah. it or not. You probably do, do know you're doing it. But you're figuring out how to use that goodwill in a way that might resonate more broadly. Well, I, I appreciate that. Oh, I would, yes. I would say that that, <laughs> that recognition has uh, has taken a little while to seep in. You know, I mean, again, it was mm-hmm. asses and elbows after Katrina when we were working on Naked Pizza. And and I'd say that, you know, you needed to kind of, you know, protect your energy and because uh, everybody was running really rare at that time, especially, you know, the small group of people that had come back. It was it was small and it was crazy and it was, you know, people packing sidearms and lots of facial hair well before the hipster movement. And um, yeah, had Sean Penn in a boat with a shotgun. I around, dude, right? dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was a wild west. I, remember, <laughs> yeah. I, I walked into a bar and that actually had the swinging doors. It's called Cooter Browns. And and two thirds of the place. I mean, people just had guns on their hip. I'm I, like, what the fuck is this? I, I think. I, wait, <laughs> is this a real reference? The Sean Penn and I missed this. Yeah, there was photos yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. he, he was, was he was on a solo rescue mission kind of thing. He was. Oh, yeah, he oh was. I, do, I remember yeah. it. I, oh, that was good. I think it an outboard yeah. motor, and he's just yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. just going got a shotgun because <laughs> no, no, you need was, a shotgun to rescue people. <laughs> it was. It was. It was just. It was crazy stuff. But. But, but I think back to that notion, what has crept over me, I guess, as I think about the opportunities in the city, what I really like about food, you know, Josh, Mark, is, is that uh, it, does, it, it does sort of, you know, include all those features, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so it, 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 it addresses health, it addresses stewardship of land and sustainability, you know, it, it, it's, it's intimate and in that it, you know, it addresses those things that you actually do within your house and do with the people you love. Um, it, it gets into, um, you know, the culture and identity. Uh, every region has some kind of food they identify with. And, and accordingly, those foods that you identify with that you know, you know, within some of those foods, there's opportunity, right? I mean, you know, so you take, um, you know, you take the pickling movement or, you know, different sort of curing and preservation of foods, which are, you know, are time tested, been around forever, and regions like Southwest Louisiana do that, you know, particularly well. You know, the boucheries down in Lafayette. But yeah. the beauty of that is that you don't need an MBA to understand food. So it does push more deeply into uh, the community. You know, thus it creates you know potentially more opportunities for people to participate in you know either self determination, creating a business, etc. So in a place like New Orleans, which has a lot of poverty. Um, and has a lot of people that are not included in or at least feel not necessarily fully welcome in a place like, say, Idea Village. Um, and that's just the way it sort of works. You try, but th- there's still people that sort of feel that's not kind of for me. You take something like food, and that starts to level the playing field a little bit. Sure. And, and there's a lot of opportunities around that. So, you know, what I love about food is that you can drop that into anywhere, Omaha, New Orleans. And we can learn from places like Boulder, which has the full infrastructure. New Orleans doesn't. You know, we have sort of the top end, which is yeah. interesting culture and the innovation piece. 
But, you know, co-packing, not so much. You know, distribution, you know, intelligence around the retail channel, go-to-market, not so much. But putting that together and a guy like me having a chance to sit down with a guy like Brendan Sinat or, um, or um, Todd Wilson, you know, I mean, people that have kind of been there, done it, uh, Lance Gentry, you know, who's passed, but, you know, was very generous with his time when I asked all my dumb questions. I mean, people like that are invaluable to speak to and to be able to bring a little bit of that back to New Orleans is very cool. Yeah. But, but what is, uh, sort of what is, I'm, I'm wondering, and I don't know, I guess it's maybe a fine dining, uh, the response to sort of Boulder and natural foods among longtime uh, top end innovative chefs in New Orleans, is it sort of, how do they perceive that world? How do they connect yeah. to it? Do they look down on it? Do they think it's misguided? Do they take and borrow from it? All of the above. Yeah, well, it, it's probably a little bit of the above, but I would say they walk into it pretty skeptical, right? I mean, I, I, I think the, the chefs here are, um, it's interesting. I mean, it's only recently that the chefs here Uh-oh, have... Lost you. You, oh, how about now? Back up. Good? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting when you talk to chefs... Yeah, yep, we're good. You talk to chefs here, the, um, not that long ago, you'd hear a chef say, you know, it's, it's not the ingredients, it's the chef. Um, so it was interesting. I mean, they, not that they didn't appreciate good ingredients, but uh, there was sort of an emphasis on the creativity of the chef, and they were a bit dismissive of, you know, where those ingredients came from. Now you don't find that, and there's very few chefs, whether it's real or not, that would speak to that. But, but I think, um, you know, the, the modern chef now is, is very much the business person. And this is another, this is something that I've been working on specifically, but, uh, well, that, that's tied back to Emeril Lagasse probably too. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort right. of the OG celebrity chef creating a business around himself. Right, right. And, and the, the, the newer generation guys like Donald Link, uh, mm-hmm. John Besh maybe is more Emerald like in some ways cause he's been a little more public, but a guy like Donald Link who owns four restaurants here, you know, and, and makes a lot of money running those four restaurants. But he also has his own ranch, you know, where he raises his heritage hogs, you know, exactly the way he wants to. I mean, he works with the farmer. He works with the it's the breed, the, the feed, the farmer, the, the you know, the size, the all the elements that go into it. So he and a few other chefs have gotten together to grow or to raise those hogs. Uh, who has direct and very intimate relationships with his growers uh, throughout the region. And, uh, but also, you know, he's involved in, in a very specific grooming of talent program. So he's working with his chefs, and uh, as he's rolled out new concepts, their opportunity to own a piece of the action, get involved in it, get out front. He's gotten into media, uh, you know, very interested in some of the cultural influences that sort of bring his work forward. Does he do I mean, podcasts? He's, he, he does podcasts. He's, he's every inch the business guy. I had him actually uh, keynote at our food day at oh, that's right, Week that's in New right. Orleans. And he nailed it. You know, I mean, the yeah. dude can talk spreadsheets and, you know, he can talk truffles. That's what I so, love about Josh Tyson. So, what, what's yeah, a spreadsheet? <laughs> Just kidding. Mr. Mr. Spreadsheet Mr. over there. Spreadsheet. Oh. No is, is there a Is there like a skepticism, though, of, of some of the natural yeah. food movement as being yeah, kind of like... totally. Because, I mean, you, you know, you're yeah. dealing with a, a cuisine there that's... It's like comfort food. It's southern food. It's... Yeah. It's all I, kinds I, of food. Although of some, of, some of natural food, it seems to be coming back to that, like more of the animal fats and like the richer things, but perhaps just yeah. in moderation. Yeah, I think I think the real I think the, the modern guys get it for what it is, right? So I think there's some skepticism at it, and I think they would be quick to call bullshit on the things that are too precious, um, and you know that ignore you know perhaps taste, perhaps heritage, perhaps you know just sort of time honored tradition. But I, I think what they're also starting to actively see is the linkage there, you know, so the connection between paying attention to those ingredients and how they got there and how they might be applied. So I would say that the smart ones are actually more inclined to take inspiration from that and think about it in their own way. You know, I don't think they're going to change their game. Uh, These guys that are good at it, they know what they want, they know what they like. But I think they look at these ingredients and they take inspiration, not unlike going down to Uruguay or Costa Rica and, and, you know, experiencing something new uh, there that they could incorporate into mm. whether it be the food or the cooking technique. Uh, I think they do draft right. off ah. of this. And, and, and the ones that are smart at business, I think they also just see that, you know, 
what places like Boulder do is open up the market. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, you know, which if it's nothing else, it's a massive R&D process that is, you know, having the consumer sort of pop up his hand and say, you know, I kind of like this. I don't really like this. This is interesting. And, and I think they're hungry for that type, no pun intended. They're hungry for uh, knowing a little bit more about what registers and what makes sense as they, you know, sort of look ahead. Because they, they also, you know, they're always tinkering with something. New. They're, they're, at the core, they're creative. It's, you know? Yeah, it's that big, it's that great roving eye of innovation. And maybe it, it used to go global. It's just another yeah. source of what's interesting. And, and we were talking about this in the last podcast, Farm to Table. Wait, what was it? It was a Vanity Fair article. Is it time to table Farm to Table? Yeah, I, it sort of occurred to me that the. I mean, not the, as not as a approach to business, well, it was a bastardized as, term. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Selling yeah. menus and restaurants. But it occurred to me that the the authentic approach <laughs> to that now is that you actually own the farm. You don't right. just sort of know where you got it, but it's your farm, and you brought up Donald Link, and it's the same thing. Or Dan yeah. Barber, who keeps yeah. coming up. Or there's local people here, like uh, the chef who owns Fruition. I'm forgetting yeah. his name, but yeah, our, he's our, got his own. Was it Black Cat or Catbird or? one of those black cat, right? Oh, in Boulder. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They so, so, I mean, they do stuff in kitchen. I, I think, yeah. you know, what these guys, the, the good ones, I mean, I, I spent a fair amount of time with Donald, not just because we drink a lot of wine, but, um, and he buys, but the, um, the, the idea, what I love about it, there's a real certainty when you talk to these guys. I mean, there's an arrogance that's maybe necessary because there's so many, you know, things sort of spinning around this. But, but they really do bring it back to the things that are undeniable, right? I mean, you know, does it taste good? You know, does it make sense to serve this product at this particular time? You know, is there some understanding of, of where it's sourced and how it's sourced and, and you know, how that, those impacts, you know, what kind of impacts are associated with it? I, 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 I like those considerations. And, and I think, you know, guys like Dan Barber take it to another level and I, I think the, the talented, you know, involved chefs are paying attention to that. So, so it, it finds its way through, I guess, is the way I would think about it. Well, in a sense, too, I mean, this, the natural food movement or like the packaged processed food, it, it's catching up to what chefs have been doing for a long time, which is not using processed ingredients and just yeah. using simple things to make tasty stuff. Undoing food. There you go. I'm going to yeah. recommend at this point in time that Josh's ne- third book he will have read. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan Barber, the third plate. Third plate. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to second that one. Yeah. Do they have it on tape? He keeps bringing it's on. really hard for me to read. <laughs> yeah, like turning it's pages. It's the third confirmed book. Yeah. Oh, this is mean. What hey, are the first two, though? You keep talking about. So I mentioned that a fast food nation three times, like yeah. a okay. fool. <laughs> mentioned that three times. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, James Patterson. And actually, that was a lie last episode. I have not read Along okay, Came a Spider. Okay, so really only on one. All right. I've got a couple other food books. Oh, you know, I've read some M.K. Fisher. You know, I'm digging in the archives, Holmes. I, well, I'm not reading the flash in the pan new shit. No, we're... Uh, How about Wendell Berry? How about getting ooh, some of that? That is a great idea. All right. Put it on my yeah. list, Mark. That, I've this, got this, a good... Uh, the Southern Foodways Alliance, the chef. Those, those oh, are the guys. Oh, what a great... That stuff. Robbie put me in touch with... Um, John T. Edge, yeah. uh, who you yeah. may or may not know. He's no, sort of been on... Wonderful right? name. It's a great name. No matter what it you're going to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Oxford. Yeah, He's bound on, for glory. I think. Well, he founded the Southern Foodways Alliance, didn't he? He did, yeah. He did, yeah. yeah. But another sort of just very bright mind about... Uh, don't get caught... You know, what is the essence of this discussion we're having around food? And especially in Southern culture. Okay. Those guys have really drilled down on it. I mean, they, they sort of view that conversation around the dinner table and the Southern tradition as sort of a platform for racial reconciliation. I mean, mm-hmm. there they are in Oxford, Mississippi, Ole Miss, which, you know, everybody knows the history of Ole Miss. And John T. and, you know, his merry pranksters have, you know, started this really interesting conversation that around, you know, cathead biscuits and, and, you know, in pot liquor and have sort of snuck in this conversation about, you know, these deeper, meatier issues, mm. you know, in a very Southern kind of way. And it's profound. I mean, the, their, uh, their events and just the, the topics that they build content around. Are, you know, yeah, I, really I, cool. I, would lo- I hope to go to an event someday. And actually, uh, I went through Oxford for something. Uh, a supplements thing, I think. Uh, yes, it was a supplements thing, and I and I stopped by and paid a visit. John wasn't there, but I'm, I still just think of that vast archive of uh, 
those video documentaries of yeah people yeah. how they made stuff and, and and you know that that's going away so what a what a what an asset and what a tremendous no, thing well, to give it's going away but it's also coming back, coming back. It's, it's coming back in a no, weird right, kind of boutique fashion just like this podcast it's it's all new again <laughs> wait what but, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the way they podcasted back in the 1800s, we're bringing that back. What? I, I thought we had right. a thematic return, oh, but we didn't. See. No, no, we didn't. Oh. You're right. Good was... call. <laughs> <laughs> kill it. Kill it. Edit. Well, tell me before – let's get this. Well, let's do some – two news stories. We'll do two news stories. But before we yeah, do yeah. that, I want to know what you're sort of up to right now. Okay, so right now – uh, Now that you've collected everything – What are you wearing? The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am in my bedroom. The – um, uh, right now, so there's a bunch of things on my plate right now. So we just closed out uh, entrepreneur uh, uh, season, as we call it, for Idea Village. So that just wrapped up. We just did a little bit of our strategic planning. We had our most successful year to uh, to date. Had about fifteen thousand people participate this year, which was pretty cool. Over a week long event, our first ever big focus on food. Uh, even though we've been nibbling around that again, no pun, but it was uh, it was a terrific event that uh, did does a great job. We're continuing to scale deeply, as we call it here. So building around uh, engaging more problem solvers, entrepreneurs. So putting that to bed and preparing for the next season that's been a big thing. Maybe one of the bigger things has been um, the launch of Freedom Pizza in the Middle East. Right. Uh, so the 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 long and short story of that is that uh, I've my involvement with Naked Pizza uh, has been pretty diminished. I mean, as we've brought more investors in and um, took a little bit of money off the table and, uh, you know, had more and more push for growth on the company, uh, there's been a, a real movement to, to grow that. I mean, that was the plan and uh, putting more money into it, you know, sort of changed some of the dynamics and trajectory of it. Uh, we had a developer in Dubai, based in Dubai, who had an interest in taking the company over there. Um, and then also we've since gone to Nairobi, Australia, India. But the, uh, the, the operator in Dubai, interestingly enough, um, became kind of the, the, the keeper of the flame in many ways. Interesting guy. He's Canadian. He's lived there for a long time <laughs> and uh, had made a bunch of money in real estate uh, but saw – some of the ideas that were behind uh, Naked Pizza and thought, this is something I want to be involved in. I mean, he literally flew over to Houston, hopped on a Harley Davidson, drove from Houston to New Orleans and said, you got to come to Dubai. And it's like, where's Dubai? So um, uh, four years later, uh, it's it's the probably the market share leader. They don't have any specific demographics on that or, or, or reporting on it. But uh, there are five stores currently in operation in uh, in Dubai proper, and then a six is opening up in Abu Dhabi, uh, four in locations within Box Cinemas, which is a big cinema there. But he got into a um, uh, bit of a disagreement with Naked as a, as a master franchisee. And so uh, he called me uh, a couple of months ago and said, sort of laid out the situation, the conditions, and he said, uh, "You would you want to join me in rebranding this thing and and you know relaunching it?" So, um, sort of an interesting thing because it was fairly complicated for me in terms of my my relationships. But uh, the part that was really clear for me was that uh, there was something powerful about um, giving this this unit autonomy, uh, making it a locally owned company. Um, and uh, and sort of plugging into what's continued to be this interesting movement in the Middle East, um, which in many ways kind of reflects on my work in New Orleans in a, in a lot of similar similarities between the two uh, in terms of the startup ecosystem there. So um, so in the course of about four weeks, you know, in the grand course of about four weeks, uh, we completely flipped the company uh, into from – uh, what's called NKD Pizza to Freedom mm-hmm. Pizza in uh, in the uh, UAE, uh, which involved probably 300 different touch points. Uh, there's about 250 plus employees, 17 different countries they represent, um, and we we also sort of went to the public with this. There's about 200,000 people in the database, and um, and spent some time. You know, really inviting their 
their input on this because you know there was a lot of loyalty around this brand. Um, so were you getting like specific customer feedback? Yeah, well, I mean, in we Dubai actually, or, or just yeah, yeah, on a global yeah, well, scale. So so I mean, in addition to the social media, we we sent out a, a, a couple of different uh, messages to existing customers. And gave him an email to reply to. So it was it was uh, my email and Ian's email. Ian Ohan, my partner there, and and we fielded about forty five hundred uh, direct emails from people. You know, so that's what we get after of, a podcast. About yeah, about what you get, roughly. Right? Yeah. So some very positive, uh, some curious, others very negative. Um, yep, yep. But but we went through this whole process of, of sort of explaining this idea of moving from a franchisee to a locally owned company and um, and some of the things that were behind that. Uh, and one of the things that I talked to Ian about before we you know sort of pulled the trigger on this was, you know, let's we've developed this really nice ecosystem, this this supply chain locally. We've had a chance to help develop the first uh, organic uh, farmer in the, in the Middle East uh, or in Dubai. And uh, we've uh, worked with uh, a producer of gluten-free crusts, a company called Skinny Genie that does beautiful work there. We've worked with them on the, on the, on the production of that product. And then uh, a couple of different companies that are doing you know, high-quality, low-sugar, interesting desserts. And, and so we've started to you know, look at the, the relationships and said, you know, what we want to do is bring these along. You know, if there's a, a made in the UAE kind of movement going on there, if there's a desire to you know, put innovation and entrepreneurship out front, that this is a chance to, to maybe you know, start another interesting conversation, let's, let's go for that. You know, let's, let's put that at the center of it. Uh, and then, you know, so as a result of that, we've had a chance. As I said, we're going to open up five new stores by the end of the year. And, um, and that includes relationships. We're going to launch Visa's checkout program there uh, and interesting requests for partnership along the way. So not unlike when we launched f- four plus years ago, uh, you know, I went out to the business community. I went out to the startup hubs and just said, you know, this is a company that's kind of built around this ethos. We thought there was an interesting opportunity for us to challenge uh, a few different things in the marketplace, uh, you know, different from the Papa John's and the Domino's of the world. Um, you know, what do you guys think of it? And we were very quickly embraced um, and there was a real uh, interest and, and uh, a desire to, you know, to have more opportunities to deliver feedback. Social media was on the rise. Uh, the Arab Spring was kind of taking hold when we launched the company. So we've, we've always had this kind of highly visible, you know, very reciprocating kind of platform. And so as we're changing right now and going through this process, I mean, you know, there were accusations that, you know, we were stealing the, the IP from the franchisor and, so part of my conversation was, well, let me kind of explain that to you. But, um, but you know, I mean, some of those, you know, we understand where people were coming from. And, and so it was, it, was, it was pretty heated. But the good thing about it was that because we had been, you know, we had set this thing up in such a way to feel the, the feedback, it turned into a very positive conversation ultimately, you know, in terms of letting people know what was behind this and what we did and how it came out. Transparency. So, well, it's yeah, I mean, it, 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 it ain't easy, but it, it's, it, at the end, it's certainly uh, an easier way, I think, to, to manage the, the communications than, you know, trying to make it all look so perfect and polished. I think whatever, whatever you can do to actually generate an authentic conversation with your customer, consumer, I mean, that's the win from now on, right? Well, that's yeah, a, across yeah. industries. It's so that's, hard to do. That's everywhere. Yeah. Is, sure. uh, is the name, like Freedom Pizza, does, does the brand have, like, does it carry kind of an American... So, so the Feeling? interesting the interesting I, thing was that it was the, so as one of the partners being American and as the you know as sort of the inspiration for the brand you know at least having yeah. or, origins. Did I lose you again? You oh, no, I'm just worried about like the capitalist imperialist coming in and yeah. well, it's just kind of a loaded word <laughs> yeah. to bring to the I Middle bet, East. I so. bet that's intentional. So, well, that's so that's why I'm wondering. Yeah. So it absolutely was, but it, the idea was it was to to reflect on and and you know sort of embellish upon, if you will, the the notion of freedom on the universal basis. So mm-hmm. th- there's been no overt American uh, isms associated with it f- for the simple reason that, you know, I think there's a there's a bit of a profound interest on the part of people in the region. You know, UAE being a country that has embraced capitalism, 
you know, perhaps sometimes to its detriment, but it's a place that, you know, sort of said, okay, you know, let's, let's create a place that's, you know, inviting for people to come do business. Let's attract investment. Let's make it good because the, 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 the offer was pretty simple. They wanted innovation in their country and they were willing to pay for it. They wanted people to locate there and, and to create a basis and to have access to, you know, not just their market, but as, as sort of a, um, you know, beachhead for addressing, you know, a very large Middle East market that uh, sometimes, you know, is difficult to address. And also as, as a, you know, leaping off point for developing markets in Africa, as well as India and other places. Oh, so a nice you know, pivot too on the, on the idea of freedom as instead of a battle cry, it's more of like, now you have the freedom to, to build, to, to build express. infrastructure the way you want to source yeah. things locally and, and well, yeah. Dubai, Dubai just won, uh, I think, the World Expo. So the next World Expo after Milan, which Uh-oh. is around food, is, is going to be in Dubai. Expo. And, and uh, yeah, it's another expo. It's the, the, the other expo, the other white meat. It's and, ex- Expo and, Middle East, not Expo <laughs> West. <laughs> it'll, it'll, but but the, uh, there's definitely been a push there, again, that, that made in the UAE, that, that push for innovation and more homegrown innovation and more of a challenge to – you know, to local populations, both Arab as well as newcomer and expats that are starting to regard UAE's home like Ian has. He's been there 18 years to start to say, OK, you know, what does our identity look like in terms of expression? So, you know, the thought there was that, you know, where it would um, potentially reflect upon the inspiration of freedom, which I think is the part that people still, you know, universally admire about the United States and America without getting too jingoistic around it. Is is the notion of you know that op- opportunity for self determination, and 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 what we've been able to build up is kind of that that rights and responsibility associated with this. So you know yeah we want to express ourselves, and so we want to speak to saying yeah fast food can make a healthier product. Uh, you know we'll we'll deliver on our promise in terms of uh, making sure that it you know gets to you in an orderly way. Make sure that you know there's a conscientiousness. Make sure there's a level of innovation in terms of new products. Which has been really fun now because one of the things we can do now uh, is we're partnering with our supply chain to create new products, more seasonal products, in particular with Greenheart, oh, the organic cool. uh, uh, farmer. So we can start to express that in very specific ways, but encourage other people to do it and, and raise that issue of you know saying as a country, as people, as business people, as individuals – you know, what forms of, of freedom and expression, you know, are you willing to support and to tolerate? So we, we put ourselves into that conversation um, as a bit of a provocation, but also just because it's, you know, it is the things that sort of run through the veins of uh, the founders of the company. And uh, and it's, you know, again, I mean, what's, what's been nice about it right now is that it, it's, it's still playing out. It's a very live conversation. So, you know the, the the core KPIs are working right. I know you love spreadsheets, Josh, but the um, so, love KPIs know, even more. We're, we're, we're selling. We're selling smell. We're we're selling pizzas, right? So that's good. But the um, uh, the better thing, you know, the more interesting thing for me is is there's been these great conversations. So you know, uh, Twitter's getting ready to move over uh, to open up an office in the Middle East and uh, in Dubai. And they've, uh, you know, reached out to us and we spent some time talking to them. Visa, which launched their checkout program with Pizza Hut, you know, in the U.S., you know, has, has chosen this small brand basically to be their beachhead in UAE. So there's a, a bit of punching above the weight, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, we've jumped onto a conversation that is, again, a little bit bigger. It's a little more universal. And, uh, and, and I like that. I mean, that's... You know, business for me. No one's no one's going to wait for my textbook. You know, Harvard's not not eagerly anticipating. You know, my how to make a million dollars in business. But but you don't know this, that. this this part this part is interesting, right? I mean, when you start to say, can you start a conversation? You know, can you get some honest feedback on it? And you know, are you willing to actually incorporate some of that into the design of your business? Are you are you the type of person that's willing to entertain? that type of um, input, a little bit of that messiness on the way to doing it. Hmm. So that's what really got me interested in not only doing this, you know, it's it, it's a bitch. I mean, it's it, no matter how you cut it, it takes 20-something hours to get to Dubai from New Orleans. And uh, and, that, and that's a soul killer. I'm getting old. But um, 
it, it has been a blast. And uh, and one of the things I love is, you know, again, we've got uh, people, the, the the way that workers sort of show up in, in uh, Dubai and UAE, there's been a lot of controversy around that. But by and large, there's a system, you know, for visa workers to show up. So you've got people from, you know, from from the Philippines, from Pakistan, etc. But one of the great things that we've been, you know, that we've continued to do, and this is actually something I'm working on in parallel in New Orleans, is, you know, the people that come through the door, let's have a development program. You know, let's make sure that if if they have the inclination, they've got the grit, the ambition, you know, let's talk about what happens after you figure out how to, you know, make a dough ball and how you learn, after you learn how to deliver a product if uh, you know if there's some some opportunities for you so now all the managers in the organization have come through the system and um, that's not only you know the right thing to do it's also been great for business I mean it, it, it sort of reflects on I think again what's coming if a place like UAE is, is really going to become you know a, a true economic power and uh, a place where you know people are comfortable and successful doing business well and pizza is a great way to introduce the lesson of the kpi because there's only one key performance <laughs> indicator it's a clean you place you gotta be kidding me oh you, man you're, you're still in my box design Come on. Not, I mean, the, the minute this podcast moves to josh giving lessons on the kpi we're doing is the minute we succeed <laughs> so here we go let's do this i happen to know for a fact that that's only a portion of Robbie's plate. Um, I'm getting a sense of that, too. But, you know, it, it's a full plate, so we'll let him get to his day. After we... Let's do quick hits on these two news items, if you're willing. You willing, Robbie? I am willing. You're willing. All, All right. right. Should I set them up? Set Why up. don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll set them up. Let's do it. Oh, and we're global. I'm going to start with France. Food safety news. This was written by the news desk. Mm. That's not what you need a person, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell me who well, wrote it. News right. desk. It's a collection of hardworking <laughs> people. All right. Attempting to bridge the gap between, an, uh, quote, epidemic of food waste. Why would you quote that? All right. Attempting to bridge the gap <laughs> between the news desk. an know. epidemic of food waste. Why? And a hungry subset of its population, the French government will be requiring supermarkets to give unsold food to charities and animal feed operations. Bill was passed. French parliament. Uh, require big supermarkets to sign contracts with charities by July 2016 or face fines up to 75,000 euros, 82,000 U.S. dollars. Yeah, that's great. And then great, the last point. Big money. Look at this. In recent years, some French supermarkets have begun pouring bleach over their throwaway food. This is going to just get that's Josh. so fucked up. <laughs> to, to, he's a dumpster diver he, at heart. I'm not a dumpster. Over their throwaway food to dissuade people from foraging in dumpsters and potentially contracting foodborne illness, illnesses from spoiled food. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, just it's throwing terrible. away food. Period. Well, I, I think they buried the lead on this, yeah, the story, but it seems like a, like a, a great piece of news. Yeah, that's good news, horrible, right? Yeah, isn't I'm it? I'm sure there's all sorts of potential litigation looming, but yeah, but you got it's you Europe can't again. Just throw away food. It's like Europe no. doing stuff that we don't seem to it's have. It's not the right. Hoots, but oh yeah, you don't throw. Well, don't it's waste just, food. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, you know, the Europeans seem to have at least a shorter linkage between you know. Yeah, that's a good idea, and let's do it. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's we'll like, try it. Yeah. Well, here's why you can't do it. Right? We're, I mean, we're that, not going to like starts. worry about the litigation that Josh is already worrying about, like a good American. Are you? Yeah. Are you really worried about that? I mean, not personally, but I <laughs> I can see the floodgate. Yep. Yeah. Well, but it's the same open. thing because we talked a few podcasts ago. We talked about that uh, the Trader Joe's executive moving on to open a store. Right. Yeah. 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 And and the, the expiration dates on these food serve one purpose that's not necessarily that you can't. Yeah, they're eat very it. conservative, and you don't. Yeah. It doesn't mean the food's inedible. Good for Europe, right? Yep. Yeah. Although, look right at this. On. Oh, I didn't notice FIFA. this. I just saw this. You guys probably haven't seen this. Wait, did you say FIFA? FIFA? Yeah, no, I did not say FIFA. Sorry, oh no. <laughs> That's a different FIFA. podcast. Yeah, it is. I'm like, whoa. I That's know this is big FIFA news today, but I don't think but we what? want to go to FIFA. FIFA. No, no, we don't. All right. No, no. Look, at, look at this third comment by Gary on this story. Gary. It's got three comments. And I think it's third. Gary. No, you know, you know Gary's in trouble. <laughs> Unfortunately, food waste is only going to grow over the next few years as the trend with non-GMO and eliminating preservatives in foods continues. Wah, wah. <laughs> what are you saying? Food's going to go bad faster? Yeah, we take all the preservatives out. You're going to have to, like, throw it away sooner. 
Or give it, it to someone sooner? Yeah, yeah give it to... Come there on, you Gary. go, Gary. We'll give it to someone sooner. The food right? is slower. The timeline has yeah. been accelerated yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Deal with it, Gary. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just get people hungrier faster. That's yeah. all. That's all. We'll, yeah. we'll find them. Oh, there are plenty of mouths to feed, Gary. Yeah, we've done that. Exactly. Relax. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care of Gary. I'll yeah. move on. That Put, seemed like a good story. I wanted to uplift people. I like that one. story. Yeah, yeah, I did but too. I wish it was here at home. Maybe one day. All right. Tree hugger. Probably the, not the most impartial source of information, but <laughs> Swedes show how eating organic eliminates a family's pesticide load. Now, this is a, well, who wrote this? A.K. A. Streeter. Streeter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerously <laughs> close to A.C. Slater. <laughs> uh, I'm not this, sure about this. Is old. this. I saw this a while ago. This is early May. Uh, I don't know what to read from this, but the, you see what they did. Although, if you watch the video, it's great, but it's in Swedish. Yeah, it's in Swedish. The article mentions that it's it's hard not to get choked up or moved watching this video. And so well, I watched the video. I'm like, well, it's, it would I be easier. Well, a little bit, but it's not in English. And I don't speak Swedish. I am, I am a Swede, but... Well, it might have been the KPIs that showed up as the uh, little uh, infographic pictograph. No, I mean, what was moving right? The youngest kid. So, so the setup is that they were yeah. on a conventional diet, and they tested, I don't know, blood or urine or something. And they, urine? They showed that in the video. Okay, they yes. kept showing the kid coming out of the bathroom with his cup of pee. They, and they tested a bunch of pesticide levels, and they forced them on this organic diet. Forced, forced them. They forced them on the organic diet. <laughs> they even found organic snus you, for the dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, snus. Yeah. And, they, and then they tested them again, and these pesticide levels, like, fell off the roof. Is that a thing? Well, yeah, fell they, off the charts. Well, they fell dramatically, but with within a really short time. Really frame. short time, and some of them would like just disappear. And some, you know, atrazine. There were some heavy hitters on this list. But yeah, but, oh, let me. I'll read that. That's a good paragraph to read. Uh, uh, it's mm. hard not to react emotionally to the video, especially when the pesticide levels shown for the children fall so dra- dramatically after they begin what eating about the organically. Adults? Why is it always all about the children? <laughs> the children need the adults. <laughs> Uh, do they? They'd be just wandering around, right? That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Pesticide free, but aimless. That's the right word for the what right comes word. later in this article. Well, the, to their credit, they sort of couch the whole results of this study by saying, you know what? But they were all within acceptable limits, and everybody sort of thinks this is okay. And well, then, and there's no evidence that any of this go, stuff on its own is bad for you, but taken as a smorgasbord. These yes. different <laughs> pesticides together. Toxic load. Yeah, it might overall. create a dangerous cocktail. But I like, that's pretty smart, shrewd move by the writer here going, it's the emotional reaction to the video that's almost as powerful as... He recognizes it. Yeah. yeah, this is what's going on with natural food. Yeah. It's easy to yeah. pick it apart from a scientific perspective. And but look at this data visualization. And <laughs> I dare you not to weep. And it has kids, right? <laughs> yeah. And there are kids, yes. I, like, I love that the, they kept showing the youngest kid coming out of the bathroom with his That's what little lab cup of pee. Yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't see that in a video produced in America is what I'm saying. Oh, man, we're too puritanical for cups of pee. I thought, I thought there were real insights <laughs> There's here. There's a lesson there. That is a real insight. I just gave you one. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it is true. I we would can ask Robbie, it. but he's too, he's too uh, polite. Well, uh, he's, he's got access. He could cook up a video for us. Well, that's I could. True. Yeah. We, could, we could make something. We could probably just feature cups of tea, right? And what yeah, else just we do see how that, that right? tests. <laughs> see how, see how the American market reacts <laughs> to little kids running off, around with cups of tea. Off the charts. Yeah. They're not going to get weepy. Litigation. They're going to change the channel. Nope. Litigation. <laughs> yeah, litigation. <laughs> I've been emotionally scarred. Oh, these are, how could well, you do that? Well, this was much fun. Well, so what do you think about that, though? Let's end on that. Uh, what, do I, what, do I, what do I think of that? The, the P part? No. no. I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's brilliant to couch the argument in that way, right? I mean, I, think, right. I mean, the, the the abstraction is probably not helping anybody. There's been plenty of good conversations around, you know, when when somebody takes up the charge, right? I mean, who was the guy that leveled the 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 charges at Whole Foods, and you know mm-hmm. what the the dangers are of you oh, know, Gary. utilizing. Their, their platform. No, not Gary. But, but there, there's a legitimate conversation around, you know, what people truly know and what they don't know. Uh, uh. And, you know, somebody with the sort of stroke and the, and the footprint of a Whole Foods and taking it up, you know, are they pushing an agenda that, you know, at the end of the day uh, does not involve people understanding, you know, maybe some of the, the finer points of the argument? And, and, and I think there's something to that. Right. So everybody has a right to advocate for what they understand to be, you know, legitimate or maybe what works towards their own, you know, sense of what's fair or right or moral. But 
it, it's 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 interesting, you know, to see how this debate's taking place, and it's it probably is coming down to you know who can put the most kids and cups of urine into a video. Um, whereas there's some substance to it as well, and um, you know, I'm hoping that you know that's part of it. I mean, my personal feelings about it is that I'd, I'd rather have some people help me sort of get my head around it. So I, I, you know, don't mind somebody taking the stand and telling the story in an emotional way, just because I'm just looking for less things to, you know, be too distracted by. Um, but oh, you know, that's put, it. That's put, put, go put ahead. Them in, put them put them into a place where you know I think you know let's let's just make sure people are, are getting the right information. I think that's where these end up. Oh, boy. Well, the information do, right? is I, dubious in this article well, too, right? Because it's is, saying like these none of these. Right. Uh, Products have been determined necessarily to well by the yes. companies that make them standards of <laughs> yeah. yes 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 by litigation. But I think that's the and that's a theme of, of what we're up to here as we try to you know unpack all this natural food stuff in a different way. But one of those themes is whatever resistance there is to science within that community it has to get smarter and more sophisticated. I think. Yeah. Um, and and so me this, too. <laughs> so this is an. You this described is, Josh's T-shirt, right? I like it. Yeah, me too. This is, uh, as you put it, a very sort of a, a very powerful way to present an argument and make it real for people and get get the emotions fired up. But then, right? How do we? I also think that people are exactly what you said. They don't want to be fewer distractions, and uh, you know, there's that disconnect in their head between I do like the idea of this natural food, but I also don't know if there's really any benefit to it. And I'm also no, trying or, to binge watch walk, Walking Dead right now. I don't have time for this. <laughs> that's not you. That's me. So bringing science back in in a smart way, that's one of the things we'll keep talking about. I'm yeah, sure man. We'll, we'll talk keep about it Keep doing that. Keep doing God's work. We are going <laughs> to keep what, running our mouths, Robbie. That's why you guys were put on this earth. Oh, That's right. I think Love that we, it. Love it. <laughs> well, the next we'll, – we'll do this. If, if you had any fun at all, we'll do it again, and we'll talk about this thing called Spiffly one day. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Seems it's to be getting, a big day for them, but we'll get, – Getting close. Today's the day, huh? We'll leave it Shit. mysterious for now. It's very so, mysterious. So I'm pretty excited by that. So, yeah, that'll be the next big story, right? You All bet. Right. Guys. All right. What a pleasure. What a, what a treat to have you on. Generous yeah, thanks, with your Ronnie. time. Thank really you. appreciate it. You're too smart for this podcast. Uh, yeah, you're, make, you're making us sound all dumb and stuff. <laughs> we can adapt. I think we did all right. That's true. We'll re-record our yeah, tracks. I'm sure. There's, there's Thanks for listening to the Natchcast. No, Natchcast. Maybe just Natch or N. Thanks for listening to N. And thank you, Robbie. That was fun. We really enjoyed talking to you. Glad that we found so much common ground on uh, cups of pee. Wasn't expecting that, so that was a nice surprise. And I keep picturing this T-shirt, right? KPI. And then beneath it, you got a graphic of a nice clean plate. Maybe a couple little crumbs of pizza crust, a little smear of sauce. Freedom Pizza. There you go. That one's free. That's on the house. That's ideation. Right there. Boom. It's what we do all freaking day on uh, social media, too. At Real Natch on Twitter and the gram. That's Instagram. Uh, Natch.is. Blah, blah, blah. Next time. What do you think? Should we drink 40s again? Maybe we'll drink some more 40s. Episode 40. Two 40s. There we go. Catch cats. I can't hear.